0: report your weekly art report is coming up next as usual if you have any requests for me or if you have any thoughts on today's news send it to me asianwave101 at gmail.com i want to hear from you thank you once again to jake thank you to hyun that will do it for this week's asian wave 101 tune back in next week we got more news and more music as well this has been asian wave 101 i'm steve thank you all for joining me this afternoon jason chen to play us out don't forget our podcast on citr.ca until next time everyone peace
1: 敷衍得到歉 everything's okay, okay。我想把心交给你却害怕伤害 So Young she 빠는 oh, 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 oh. So I hate some I hate some she yeah, yeah. 再解释我不想听
2: CM the CIA CIA waters i can't
3: see
4: On June 21st, the Bill Reed Gallery of Northwest Coast Art and the Red Slam Jam Society invite you to join radio host Gennarji O'Sullivan and Kwewa Jones to celebrate the Summer Solstice and National Aboriginal Day. Join us from 1 till 5 on location at the Bill Reed Gallery of Northwest Coast Art. Our hosts will speak to artists and knowledge holders sharing the spectacular art and cultures of the Northwest Coast. Admission is free. Contact us at 604 682 Three, four, five, five. For more information, or go to www.billreedgallery.ca. Thank you. Gaila Kessler.
1: If we do nothing, will
5: I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now!, daily grassroots global unembedded international independent news hour. And this is CITR 101.9 FM. When you join Balloon Club, we guarantee that you will be able to make a Balloon Poodle within the first day.
0: Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, It's really
2: cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah blah, blah 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 blah.
0: Explosion! So, come check us out on the top floor of the Student Union Building. we got all types of crazy for you to do, or check us out online at www.citr.ca.
4: Hey, this is Noah from Christ on Parade,
0: and you are listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Where's
1: that? <laughs>
6: Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, June tenth, and you are tuned into the Arts Report on CITR one hundred one point nine FM in Vancouver, and we are broadcasting to you live from Unceded Musqueam Territories in beautiful Point Grey. Uh, today on the show, we have um, we have a review of the Maker Fair, the Mini Vancouver, the Vancouver Mini Maker Fair. Um, John and Steph went to go check that out, so they'll be here at about. Um, at about 5.30 to tell us about that. Um, Andy Ta is going to tell us about a, a book that he has um, a, it's a graphic it's a graphic book and um, and he's going to tell us about it. It's called Intelligent Sentient Nose Put Out by Drawn and Quarterly and we will hear about that later. Christine should be here and, um, and starting off we have an interview um, to talk about Pendula. Um, Pendula is a new interactive art installation headlining the phase shift program of the Vancouver International Jazz Festival. Um, Pendula invites participants into a tent set up with uh, speakers, projectors and swings outfitted with response, um, responsive audiovisual apparatus. Um, So think gyroscopes and accelerometers And the motion of the swings affects and manipulates the music and the visuals, making participants co-creators in the immersive environment. The installation is a collaboration between filmmaker, new media artist, and underground electronic and hip-hop show curator Nancy Lee, as well as composer, programmer, and music educator Kieran Bumber, and both join us in studio now. Welcome to CITR.
5: Hi, thanks for having us. Oh, Hi, well,
6: thank you for, for joining us. So tell us about Pendula.
4: Um, yeah, so Pendula um, started off just as a, it started off as, as a simple swing project. Um, it was a swing project that I used to do. I used to install swings in uh, public spaces in Vancouver. Um, so there was no interactive element to it. And then I did a show uh, in 2012, I believe, or maybe 2013, where I installed eight swings in an indoor space for like an electronic music event, and um, the swing sets were sitting adjacent to the dance floor. So for me, it was kind of like an, a, it was like a social experiment to uh, find out how people interact in the swing area versus the dance floor to music. So there was a kind of, uh, people were kind of dancing sitting on the swings as well, even though there was like a different form of different law of physics that would happen um, in the swing area. And at that show, uh, Kieran, that's when me and Kieran first got acquainted, um, and I had projections projected onto the eight swing sets, but um, the projections were not responsive to the swinging.
5: And while I was at the show, I definitely had a lot of fun on the swings. Uh, But I remember thinking uh, in my head while I was on the swing and at the show, what if these swings were responsive that was my first initial thought
6: and and you're a, on the swings you're a programmer too so yes. you're probably hardwired to think these things yeah. how can you make this responsive mm-hmm. so how did it grow from there
4: Well, we met again. Um, We were both uh, volunteering at New Forms Festival um, as production assistants, and we happened to be on the same project together. Painting tables for eight hours. (laughs) So uh, we had a lot of time to chat, and I was telling she was, uh, you know, talking about the swing project, and I was telling her like, hey, you know, this is like not really the final, like this is not really a representation of my vision because. I actually really want to have um, the swings somehow control the projections,
6: mm-hmm.
4: and Kieran was like, "Hey, I can do that." Mm-hmm.
6: So you brought the social curiosity and and everything, and and Kieran was able to program it and and put it together. So what what do you each bring to to this project, and what's it like working with each other?
5: Ooh. <laughs> um. Well, the project has definitely evolved so much more uh, from this collaboration. Uh, I think I definitely, you know, brought in uh, not only the programming or the creative coding aspect of it, but also the we now have a audio uh, oral aspect to represent uh, the visual part element of the installation. Um, yeah, just making it interactive and also with the, the composition as well, like treating um, the swing as a controller or an instrument, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I like to think of it as like, I guess like I'm kind of doing the more external side of things, you know, I'm like dealing with the swing sets, getting the swings made and, you know, installing all the swings, Um, working with the projection screens and, you know, installing the projectors and things like that. Um, While Kieran kind of works on the more internal side of things, you know, she's creating like the central nervous system for the apparatus. She's, you know, working in the computer and, like, creating kind of the, you know, and she's also doing the sound element, things that you can't, like, see or touch. Yeah. The
6: intangibles. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's, so this is going to be part of the um, jazz festival, the Vancouver International Jazz Festival, uh, and specifically the Phase Shift program. Do you want to speak to that a little bit?
5: Yeah, so I... Started the Phase Shift program with Jazz Fest. Uh, We were in talk about it in January. And what Phase Shift is, is a program to encompass music and technology together. Um, It was funded by the BC Arts Council. And within that, uh, I've done um, some workshops utilizing the programming skills that I use for youth uh, at Vivo Media Arts. And I'm also curating a concert that, uh, revolves around not just interactive pieces, but also, uh, just basic, uh, pieces with, like, and bands with, um, that use electronics Mm -hmm. in their music. Um, so that's coming up June 28th. And this Pendula exhibit is also part of it.
6: Really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that Pendula kind of deals with, and I'm pulling some of these words from, from, I was reading about it and it kind of, uh, this is in part quote, but it, it plays with, um, nascent ambiguities, um, in our definitions of power and agency, especially in a world where kind of the digital worlds are overlapping with the physical Mm -hmm. worlds and stuff. So how, how does that appear in Pendula? Mm
4: Um, So, yeah, so this kind of project, um, you know, I was when I was kind of thinking about what this project is like, you know, I was thinking about kind of like dualities because like the motion, the swing motion, you're swinging from one extreme to the other, but you're never really staying at any extreme. Right, you're kind of moving between things, uh, between like it's visual like quantum effects.
5: mechanics. <laughs> you're never in one spot. <laughs> yeah,
4: you're moving between sounds. You know, you're moving between visual effects. You know, you're moving uh, between like different modes, right? Um, and we do have four different technological modes that kind of, I guess we can talk Reflect. a little. Reflect. Yeah, yeah, we can talk a little bit about the sure. four. Okay, okay, sure. Um, we do have like a like a mode where things. The entire the theme for the mode first mode is um kind of like happiness, warm. Everything is very, you know, light and relaxing, like the sound and the visuals. And then we have like an alienation mode that we call it. So the um, visuals are very jarring. The sound is very also like,
5: very in your face. Yeah, yeah. very
4: like scary and creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have like a um, nature. nature mode, which is, you know, like nature, so- using nature samples and uh, nature sounds. And it's, And then we also have like an urban mode, you know, using like traffic samples and like, you know, kind of like busy sort of sounds. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So you'll find that the material, you have very naturalistic or found sounds that are manipulated to sound uh, more obscured, which sort of ties in with the juxtaposition or dualities.
6: And uh, it is going to be in an urban environment. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be at the art gallery in a tent, um, just sort of right near the intersection of Howe and Georgia. Um, what can you describe what the actual installation will look like at, at the end of at the end of it?
4: Um, it will be a tent, a closed off area. The tent will um, we're going to have like a small kind of entrance opening. area, mm-hmm. like a small um, opening for people to come in and out. And um, inside the tent, uh, you'll find four projections, and you'll find speakers around. And uh, you have just wooden it's a wooden swing set that will be there. And yeah, and then there's like the rest of the space where, obviously, we have you know our computer set up, and then we also have like a little area in the back, um, in the corner where we'll, we'll have uh, our yeah, tablet performer. I guess we should
5: talk about how wow. we're performing a piece with the swings. Uh, at the top of every hour and that will also involve uh yeah nancy on the swings <laughs> and i'll be playing clarinet and clara shandler will be playing cello and we have a really really awesome tabla player who will be joining us neelam G- D- dylan um and yeah we're excited to,
6: uh, so- to do this so so the installation is an interactive piece that you can you can experience and you can swing yep. on, swing on it and and play with it. Um, but at the top of every hour for ten or fifteen minutes, there will be a live performance with yep. you guys with well, with instruments and and the swings, and the swings mm-hmm. as an instrument too. Yeah, and like uh, what what sort of performance? What can people expect from that? A
5: okay. lot of movement. <laughs> uh, yeah so going back to this duality of also uh, juxtapos- juxtaposing uh, you know acoustic instruments with this new interface mm-hmm. that's also acting as as an instrument, mm-hmm. but um, it will get quite sound massy by the end of it.
6: Uh, a noise experiment.
5: <laughs> yeah
6: <laughs> Cool and so people can come they can see the performance and that can inspire them to to ride the swing afterwards and and experience Mm -hmm. it um can you talk a little bit about how exactly you're turning this um the swing and the motion of swinging into into music and into an instrument
1: sure (laughs) Uh,
5: so essentially using utilizing the gyroscope and the acceleration data i'm able to manipulate the positions of you know the x y z swing in space uh, and the speed, and I can uh, use that data to also trigger sounds mm-hmm. and also to um gosh, it's really hard to explain
6: and well <laughs> really. you you've you you've composed some sounds yeah. to go along with it yeah. and and that will be triggered by certain motions, I guess?
5: Yeah, so we have certain motions, uh, certain pitches, pitch ranges, and also um, some effects. So Nancy will be controlling, you know, my clarinet effect. So acting uh, like as a filter, like a filter cutoff frequency or something Right, so something the like swing
6: that. will be able to work as like an effect pedal yes, or, or yeah. something. Yeah.
5: It's essentially like a MIDI controller. Mm
6: -hmm. really cool Mm -hmm. Um, so you say that you've worked with swings before in in Mm -hmm. installing swings and how uh, what got you interested in swings
4: (laughs) Um, well there's a couple versions of the story (laughs) Um, uh, so I um, started building swings um, in well I started actually building them like more seriously And actually thinking about, you know, the design of the swing in uh, 2011, um, uh, I did have a lot like a I kind of I was at UBC and I decided it was like, oh, man, I I don't want to go to school anymore. So I'm going to drop all my courses. And I did. And then I'm going to start building swings. And that's exactly what happened. And then I had like a little like ceremony or ritual (laughs) where um, uh, I was uh, with a bunch of my friends and. I built a swing at the studio space that I used to live at, and uh, they shaved my head while I was sitting on the swing. Um, and uh, that was the beginning of the swing project. Like that's what I used to call it before. It was called like the urban swing project.
6: Okay, and yeah. so that was that marked the yeah kind the of like the birth, shedding of the birth the rebirth yeah
4: totally yeah. the
6: beginning of the growth of the swing project. <laughs> yeah. Where where would you install swings?
4: Um, Well, I would install indoor swings and I also do like lots of traveling as well. So I have installed plenty of swings when I was uh, in Uganda, um, when I did go back to school and I did an internship in Uganda. Um, I did a bunch of swings there too. And I've also installed, I've installed a couple swings, a few swings in Strathcona as well. So like in kind of like public park areas, yeah, just wherever there's like a tree that you know, had a branch that was quite horizontal that I could, you know, just tag a swing up, yeah.
6: It calls for swings, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> just kind of the simple, like, two pieces of rope and a piece of wood in the middle. Yeah, or... and I was
4: I was using salvage wood, so I would just dumpster dive for the wood. Really cool. Yeah.
6: Nice. Well, um, June 20th and 21st at the Vancouver Art Gallery, we've got Howe Street and Georgia. Uh, so it's from 4pm on, and look for the tent with the swings. Um, and more information is available at swingthependula.com. Oh, yes. Is yeah. there what what else what what else can we tell the people?
4: Oh, it's a Swing with Pendula. Thought. Swing
6: with Pendula. Okay, yeah. that makes sense cuz <laughs> I actually tried to search for that like before the show and it didn't quite come up unless mm-hmm. I googled it, not put it straight in the URL. Um swingwithpendula.com. <laughs> okay, that will save people. Well, um Nancy and Kieran, thank you very much for telling us about the project and swing on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Intelligent Sentient is a 64-page hardcover graphic publication put out by Drawn and Quarterly. It tells a loose story through strange art um, depicting non-existent technology through images that are tied together uh, in sort of a progressive theme rather than a straightforward narrative. Um, we, we got this book in our inbox and we didn't know what to make of it, so we gave it to Andy Ta, um our what's your title, Andy? Uh Broadcast Content Producer. Broadcast Content Producer. Um so Andy Taub, our Arts Report official Broadcast Content Producer, is going to make some content for broadcast with you and to tell us about Intelligent Sentient.
2: Yeah, so this is from, from John and Quarterly, which is probably The biggest comics publisher left in in Canada these days, and aside from Fantagraphics down in Seattle, it's probably the biggest uh, publisher of independent comics in North America. Period. Um, They do some translations of of Japanese and and European comics as well, but I think their bread and butter is is original stuff, like like Luke Ramsey's intelligent sentient. Uh, Luke Ramsey lives in on the Sunshine Coast here in here in BC, and from what I can tell, he's done mostly. Uh, fine art gallery stuff so this is his first his first book um it's interesting to me though that he he chose to publish this with drawn and quarterly because one of the things that intelligent sentient does is really maybe challenge what our definition of a comic is um you know there's this very famous phrase um used by harvey Picard once um comics are just words and pictures and you can do anything with words and pictures but this is a wordless book for the most part you know there's nothing at least not paired with the drawings but of course we can also all probably think of a comic that has no words so that's not really a useful definition i think but one of the interesting formal qualities of intelligent sentient is that every single page is one drawing you know there's no panels in in the book um but at the same time with all these drawings laid out in the sequence, there is a kind of narrative, a vague sense of a narrative, at least, being being formed. It's not explicit, um, but, but the book does kind of work as, as a comic as, as you read and reread it. Um, there's this kind of way in which birth and death are seen across time and space, and some, some scenes are, are primal and, and prehistoric, uh, and some scenes involve these like alien sci-fi scientists from the future, right? And there are these recurring images of, of snakes, these really detailed, kind of wormy snakes that show up again and again, and what Ramsey calls um, the anti-character, which is like this really simplified human-ish figure That kind of shows up a few times um but yeah there's definitely a narrative there even though i don't know if i could ever no matter how many times i reread this suss it out um and the drawings though are so intricately detailed and the line work is is amazing and and versatile enough that you could i could easily see this in like a gallery but also if the images were cropped into squares i could also see them in on album covers you know it's really cool like that um and one of the fascinating things um, to me about artists is when ever they they foreground uh, their influences, like Ramsey does um, in the introduction, he just lists like all the artists that's influenced him. And you get cartoonists like um, Osama Tezuka, you know, who's the godfather of, of Japanese comics. You get you get Mobius, of course, maybe the most influential of the European sci-fi artists. Um, Matt Groening created The Simpsons, but he also he lists them alongside of uh picasso and, and jeff coons and, and paul Klee. these like very respected canonical artistic figures and it's around that time i think there's this page that that um has all these homages to homages to um all these artists that have influenced him but right before that page is is this amazing spread of the city and it's i don't know how familiar um Ramsey is with with comics but it's straight out of um Akira, you know, Katsuhiro Otomo's 2000-page epic. It's the page where Neo Tokyo is being destroyed, right? Right before then you you see this black semisphere, And that's a turning point in and and this in the very detailed city, right? And that's a turning point in, in Akira because it happens like halfway through through the book. And just like a full 1000 pages after that moment in Akira. And here it also Takes place roughly at a, at a kind of uh, impasse, right? It's right before um, the book goes from solely Luke Ramsey into all these other artists, like 10 other artists, just do their own version of Intelligent Sentient. Um, there's like guys like Michael DeForge, he's a Canadian cartoonist. He gets his own two page take on Intelligent Sentient. And you know, DeForge is right alongside of um, commercial and other artists as, as well. It's like the way in which um, the artists in the beginning, the guys who've influenced uh, Ramsey, are placed next to each other in the same way uh, DeForge and other artists, contemporary artists, contemporaries of Luke Ramsey are placed right next to each other on, in the book. So, so having that connection, he feels both to his predecessors and his contemporaries, like ha- having a kind of presence in the book itself is, is I think part of what he's interested in. It's like this idea of a continuity. Um, so yeah, intelligent, sentient, drawn in quarterly. Check it out.
6: I I would definitely recommend checking it out. It uh, can you describe a little bit what the images look like? I mean they we've posted one on our on our facebook page but you see a huge i mean just the style if you could describe perhaps the style of these images god it's so hard like
2: you could just take a microscope and point at any part of a page and just be obsessed with it over and over again the detail the line work is is so amazingly detailed on every page like this first one is just these priests. like i can't even count how many of them there are but it's like probably three dozen Prehistoric animals lunging at at these these snakes, and it's crazy.
6: And it, and it it's dark, but but bright too. Sort of, it's r- colorful. A lot of the images. Yeah, there's it's a lot of variants.
2: Um, some of them are like mono, just green, and then some of them are just like bright, multicolored um,
6: things. And and again, just uh, to touch on the themes you mentioned, sort of, there's this. It, it's sort of like a past, present, and future, and alternate future, and alternate present, and and everything like that. What what are they exploring? What is um, what is Luke Ramsey exploring in this book? <laughs> I mean, everything.
2: Yeah. God, it's it seems to me like a big part of it is is just the passage of time, right? You know, you see. Like, I think you basically see something being born. You see, like, but you also see, like, a kind of maybe end of the world, mm-hmm. you know? And having that everything is connected theme is maybe a big part of what Ramsey's trying to, to portray here.
6: How long did you spend with this book? This is a book without any words. This is a book with, you know, 64 large images. Um, what, what's it like to read a book like this? If you, if you can call it reading
2: yeah well, it, it is reading, I think um the first time I just like flipped through it was like two minutes. it's incredibly fast, but you know the part of reading in uh the book is is rereading it, rereading it over and over again um and looking at the picture that's one of the things about comics right like you read them at your own pace, but you can also go backwards, you know it's not like animation or a movie where you're controlled
6: by by director this is a reader guided really cool book and maybe a really cool introduction for, to, to graphic novels or graphic books for for people who want to jump in some local homegrown did you say um, gulf island work uh, he's, or salt spring I think he lives in, on the sunshine coast but he has sunshine. like an artist re- residency in, on the gulf islands Yeah, really cool Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you for for bringing us this review of Intelligent Sentient. Yeah, sure thing. The Vancouver Mini Maker Fair took place at the Peony Forum June sixth and seventh, and the Arts Report's very own John and Steph went to check out some of the 100 plus exhibits, workshops, and presentations that feature some of what Vancouver makers have been creating behind closed doors. Um, John and Steph, you've recorded a little bit of work. Uh, well, you've recorded some of the clips from that, and we're going to play that in a second, but. Uh, can you give us an introduction to this recording of the Vancouver Mini Maker Faire?
0: So this is just a selection uh some things we sourced from the Maker's Faire, like some music from some exhibits and some uh, situated art pieces. There's a bit from Pendulum, actually, at the beginning. It doesn't quite come out great because there's a lot of sound coming in from outside of where uh, it was stationed. Pendulum, rather, sorry. Uh, but... Yeah, there's just a, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. So you'll hear one music performance from Gamalon, Bike Bike. At the end, in the middle, you'll hear an interview with Deve, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, who is one of the organizers. Deve, Deeth, or like, Deeth? I apologize so much. (laughs) He's probably going to listen to this and be like, oh gosh, those kids. But like, uh, yeah, we talked to him about uh, a panel that he was on which was how to keep girls interested in the STEM fields. And also we talked to him a bit about how it was like to be part of the organizing council for the entire festival. Uh, So yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag and maybe we can touch on it again after we've aired it.
6: Sure, and Steph, you endured um, hanging out with John all day at the Maker Faire. Um, How? What was the experience like just before we played the recording?
3: It was really fun, and it's my first time, so apologies for any awkwardness in the interviews.
6: Oh, no, we won't accept any apologies. <laughs> I We're gonna this, this is a I'm dead after this broadcast. Non-Canadian <laughs> broadcast. There'll be no apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we are going to broadcast what you've brought us unapologetically we're it is here Mm -hmm. for broadcast this is the vancouver mini maker fair
3: this is a recording from the mini maker fair in vancouver you're currently listening to an excerpt from pendula an interdisciplinary art piece that will be part of the jazz festival
0: Coming up next, we have an interview with one of the fair's organizers on a panel about keeping girls engaged in STEM fields.
3: We're with one of the organizers of the panel here at Maker Fair about keeping girls engaged in STEM fields. I'm Steph, this is... Dee Thelsen. Yeah, and um, so how did you organize this? Like,
4: what made you want to organize this
7: Well. Part of what I'm involved with with Maker, I'm on the Maker uh, Foundation board uh, that puts on Maker Faire, but we also put on the Maker Education meetups, and I, that's the part that I'm involved the most with. And So it's bringing teachers, educate administrators, community center organizers, librarians, parents, makers, kids all together the to, to shared interest in making, and it, it sparks off a lot of things. And but one of them is why aren't more kids doing this, and especially girls. So and, and the ones who who have an interest in it already, how can we keep that going and keep it encouraged? And for the ones who who might be interested but you know, just aren't pushed it or I don't think pushed is the right word, but aren't encouraged in, in those regards, how can we help change that? Uh, so I, we we all have a, a really big interest in everybody being a maker if they wanna be. So have you seen a sea change recently, like in terms of It's how beginning. Many... It's beginning and it and there's some um, kind of generational things going on, so it's really wonderful to see the, this uh, group of student librarians uh, working on their, their uh, electronics projects. And, and their main hacker is a woman, you know, and she's mm-hmm. you know they're fixing the code. And so I mean, it's it's great to see, but we need more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is actually from so from my
0: understanding, like when programming was starting out as an art, like a lot of the programmers demographically were women, and then there was a large drop off of that. Yeah. And like, I'm wondering what you would describe that to. Like, yeah,
7: and, and I mean, we live in a society that tends to push men into the lucrative fields. Mm-hmm. And when it started off, uh, computing was not a lucrative or well respected field. Mm-hmm. And actually, the first computers were actually people who calculated numbers, mm-hmm. and they were called computers. Uh, and that was women. And so, when computing began to take off, and they they were hired to operate the computers and do data entry and program, um, one of the, the early programming languages COBOL was invented by uh, Grace Hopper. It was a she was an admiral in the U.S. Navy. Uh, so, women have always been involved. Arguably, the first programmer was Ada Lovelace. So, that was you know. Before there were actual computers, but there were conceptual computers. She figured out how to program those in a general-purpose way. So, so women have always been in computing, yeah. and uh, but there are societal pressures to to encourage or discourage, depending on trends. I had a a co-op student once who was from Panama, and she said there all the computer science program were women, right? Mm-hmm. But but in North America it's different. So it's you know it, it depends on culture and it depends on you know how. Different, you know, things are shifting, but now there is a big effort to keep girls in STEM, and it's you know all of these things take time. So Mm -hmm. it it will take time to turn things around, but I think you know we all need to to do that. Right. Now that it's summer, are there any specific workshops or programs that you had in mind that would be Uh, from the Maker Foundation? uh, In two weeks, we have the Maker Education Meetup, which is quarterly. Uh, So we'll have the summer one, uh, and that's on meetup.com. People can find it. Uh, and so that is, that's our, our quarterly effort to bring all of the, the, this group that I told you about, of, you know, everyone interested in, in the intersection of education and making, together. Uh, and we have some talks, and we have a lot of mingle time, a lot of projects come out of it. Uh, a lot of people who are teachers or librarians... Uh, maybe the only person, or one of a couple of people in their organization, who's been pushing to have more maker uh, uh, efforts in their group in their organization. And so when they get to be in a room full of other people who are all have the same idea, uh, it can be really, really empowering and inspiring for them. Right. And and uh, and then they also then partner and share ideas and and uh, give each other you know help leverage and, and you know this is how we did it. And so uh, it's a really collaborative.
3: Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, perhaps a sidetrack, but uh, what do you make? What do I make?
7: Yeah, do Besides Maker Faire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. hey, good job, by the way. Yeah. Great, job. I actually, yeah. we, have, we have a really wonderful staff who do most of Maker Faire, so uh, I can't t- actually take credit for that. <laughs> I, I host the Maker Education meetups with, with uh, Helen Lee, who is hosting the, the uh, panel. But um, I have two kids, and I make stuff with them, and uh, I dabble, and I write code, so I, I make a lot of stuff in code. So I have my side project. It's called waterbearlang.com and it's uh, drag and drop programming for the web. So to help people, help kids and and anyone else who doesn't want to be a computer scientist but wants to be able to code, uh, to be able to do that. Cool. Uh, Thanks so much for your time. Well, Thank you.
3: Finally, before we return to the studio, we have an excerpt from a live performance by Gamala Bike Bike, which will be performing for the Western Front this June 12th and July 7th.
1: and treasons radio this is riff raff. every tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m on 101.9 fm yes yes you not now rocking with the best 101.9 c-i-t-r radio crimes and treasons this is your boy just blaze right now you're rocking with Jules andre brown rally bells jamal steels and horsepower you know what it is all right yo it's i am man i want to shout out crimes and treasons radio man c-i-t-r 101.9 man turn
0: up turn up turn up turn up
5: Tension grad students, share your research, find out what's going on in other disciplines, approach your work from a new angle. Check out FireTalks, the interdisciplinary discussion forum sponsored by the Research Commons at Kerner Library. Visit bit.ly slash firetalk for more information.
6: Welcome back to the Arts Report. So John and Steph, you guys just played us some recordings from the maker Mm fair can you tell us a little bit about what we heard
0: (laughs) well uh yeah that was just like we didn't get the chance to use a recorder at all times but you know there are definitely some things we want to catch that last thing that you heard uh was from Gamelon bike bike and they're going to be doing some performances for the western front in june and july i don't remember off the top of my head when those are uh but if you check on the western front site you can find out about them i believe they're both going to be special performances the first one is with a uh local artist whose name is also escaping me at the moment but just check it out at the western front and if you liked what you were hearing there then you can definitely find out more about what they're doing in the upcoming months uh on that site uh before that we heard about again the uh just primarily about that kind of commitment at the maker the mini makers fair like from the perspective of the organizers but also the perspective of a lot of different booths a lot of different organizations who are at the fair who are really interested in getting and keeping girls interested in STEM subjects and we uh you know there was a lot of like aspect of that it is like a DIY sort of environment where a lot of people are showing off their inventions or showing off their like you know, this is, like, our cocoa butter store, and this is how we, you know, locally, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But there is also, like, a big contingent of people there who are there for the sake of education and there for the sake of, like, really teaching kids how to become makers, which is, like, their term for, like, this kind of individual who is a DIY individual, someone who, like... Uh, is able to piece things together, like, you know, learn about new tech. Am I on the right track here, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like, like learn about new technologies, like, and and do innovative things, hopefully. Like, be able to put their knowledge, because, you know, knowledge is so readily readily available now, like, put their knowledge to, like, good use and deploy it in cool ways. And we saw a lot of different booths around. uh, Yeah, we saw something
3: called the Truck Farm. Yeah, the Truck Farm. Which is... What um, is a
0: truck farm?
3: It's a it's a little farm in the back of a truck, and this was actually specifically a '93 Mazda pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was launched in 2012 to inspire and educate people about growing food in small urban spaces. Mm. Um, so, so I've,
6: this is a, f- a a flatbed truck with a bed of soil, and yeah. and is growing it produce.
0: Had, so, had, like spinach. Yeah, yeah. I, I so remember. it's kind of like a metonym for like the entire like project in the sense of like you could transform like the bed of a truck into a place to grow you know uh to grow produce you can like um yeah and you know and i think there this has been a movement happening in a lot of places last i heard it was a big thing that's happening in south central la now which is to reclaim like unused public space which is just grown over and you know abandoned like take reclaim you know lots sidewalks and find whatever space is available there to like start putting that space to use, like start using it for farming, like inner city farming. There's a there's yeah. a roundabout by my house that mm-hmm. uh, that is turned into a
6: community garden. I don't mm-hmm. know who maintains it, but there's a big sign that says, you know, take what take whatever you mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. And my roommate has before he's like been walking home from the grocery store yeah. and takes some kale or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's it's kind of essential, you know, moving into the future, like with the necess- necessities. One way or another, either us <laughs> scaling back from like this total. You know, to get very, very, very political for a moment. Either us, you know, needing to scale back from this commodity based global system, which is predicated on infinite growth, which is unsustainable, or to be able to scale back from that, you know, and cut down all these chains, which, you know, create incredible amounts of inequity but also create these large unreliable chains of commerce and trade and you know just be able to bring it back to the local and be able to sustain a community from within that community with just that community mm-hmm. you know it's a uh, i think jim hightower the agricultural minister for texas used to have this thing saying like together we can do it ourselves like that kind of ethos so like i think that's like definitely an area that truck farm is like exploring and getting the community interested in but even if you go to like i mean a city like victoria which is right nearby there's so much more foliage within the city than in a city like vancouver um uh, especially in the downtown areas but
6: yeah all right that, that was truck farm what stood out for you steph
3: um there was one booth that stood mm-hmm. out for me it was uh carl's airplane <laughs> Booth and um, he basically just encourages you to be a maker by using simple materials to make an airplane. And with an elastic band, he showed us that it could fly for about like twenty seconds. Mm -hmm. So
0: these are these are household things. Yeah, popsicle sticks, rubber band,
3: and a cardboard and glue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
0: which which was nice because like a lot of sorry, like there's a lot of infatuation around like 3D printers and like all that stuff was very cool too. Uh, But definitely, like, just being able to do things with everyday objects, like, very affordable things, too.
3: And that was part of the fair, too, was to encourage people to be, you know, their own maker and just to create things. Doesn't necessarily have to be super Mm high-tech.
0: We also saw Arts Umbrella. Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) we—neither of us are artists. Uh, We— we
3: made a giant goose <laughs> puppet.
0: You, you, yeah. oh, so you, you... We can you... we can maybe put this up in the arts site later, pending the approval of all individuals here. So <laughs> you, you created... They had a, a, a maker yeah, they, table. Yeah, they, they had a mm-hmm. booth, and we were outclassed by many small children. But nonetheless, it's like, yeah, Arts Umbrella is a locally-based uh, organization that's about enriching the community and, like, creating programs to educate uh, younger individuals. But I think, like from very early like preschool to like university level are the range of courses they offer but just all about like getting people into visual arts like dance media arts performance art etc and uh, yeah i mean it's very hands-on okay and and what what did you create (laughs) we i mean it wasn't really we. (laughs) it was like the world was speaking through us when it was just yes it was inspired
3: by monet's water lilies it was an exploration in color we um, created uh, a goose yeah it was a goose we cut out a goose shape and then we painted it yeah
0: Mm -hmm. um and and then we made
3: a puppet out of it yeah (laughs) and
0: it was purple yeah. You know.
3: We saw the f- we saw the five year old girl's goose next to us and we were yeah. like, Wow. Yeah. Our so, parents I should have put is, us an yeah, arts umbrella. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you put your children in an arts umbrella, they will be able to do incredible things. If not, they'll turn out like myself and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But hey, we turned out
6: great, right? You guys turned out great. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So just in, in the next we've got about a a minute and a half oh. left, um for the show. So we can continue on the Maker Fair or if there was anything else that you guys wanted to cover
0: uh i guess i don't know if we have enough time for this uh yeah i i watched the film dylan by uh, would you like me to cover it right now real quick or yeah let's because because the producer for dylan will be on next shoot, week
6: right? yeah we will have an interview with her next mm-hmm. week the, um so can you
0: yep so dylan is a short film from directed by and partially co- co-written because the script is taken from a transcript that was sourced by elizabeth uh who is the director. Uh, And it was sourced, I believe, out of, after seeing the play Exonerated, which is like this, is another play which is sourced from actual transcripts of actual conversations held with people and then transposed onto the stage. Elizabeth was inspired to do something similar in terms of like telling a very compelling, very interesting, unique individual story. And she turned to her childhood friend, uh, Dylan Wynn Garner, who when she was growing up with Dylan, Dylan was biologically a female. So Dylan grew up as a girl and the story, the monologue within the film, you, you saw it too, right? I did, yes. Yeah. So so maybe you can help me out if I'm missing any details, but uh, the story of the film itself is sort of a monologue that takes place over the course of a few hours, although the film itself is seven minutes and the dawn as... Dylan narrates, tells us about his early college days, his tumultuous sort of experiments with queer sexuality, and then the realization that he himself was a trans individual. And sort of, like, all all, all of the different bits of exploration, and and it was never, like, a thunderous, like, realization, like, in terms of just, like there always being something incorrect but always sort of a moving towards this like being closer to freedom so like with each iteration there were huge steps of course like there were steps like the actual surgical transition and the actual transition onto hormones but with each step there being a more refined like being able to be more oneself that Dylan was able to achieve and, and Dylan even ending off the film not, not, not that you can really spoil it